Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. Um, okay. Are we starting? Are we starting? Do, do you want to really, start? This is a really good, good beginning. <laughs> I mean, it's chaotic and it's messy and that's actually somewhat fitting considering who we're talking about today. Kind of on brand. I mean, that's that's how we do, man. We just shoehorn it in there. Get this show on the road with, a, with absolutely no chit-chat whatsoever. <laughs> Fuck your chit-chat. Get your chit-chat from other people. You, we're listen, here to guys do have- business. You guys have waited an extra week for this episode. Yeah, because thanks. you know what? We just want, weren't fucking feeling it last week. So we needed a spring break, my friends. It was. Yep. Uh, I'm still sick. I was even more sick last week. So we're just going to muscle our way through tonight, but I'm excited about this content. How are you feeling about it, Jen? I am honestly exhausted. <laughs> Ex- exhausted from excitement? <laughs> I have never seen such a thorough Wikipedia page in my entire goddamn life. (laughs) Like, I can't tell if this guy just was, like, extremely busy or if the person who wrote this Wikipedia page was like, you know what? I'm going to tell you every moment of his life. Sit down at my knee, young children. Let me spin you a tale. Let me spin you. It is almost Tolkien-esque in its long and pointlessness. My God. There are so many names that we are not even going to mention, I'm sure, because I was just reading through it and being like, okay, no, this is too much. You never come up again. I'm not mentioning every single woman you've slept with. (laughs) For all of his wildness, though, like and and the 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 sheer volume of information out there out about him, mm-hmm. you weren't bored. Not really. There not is bored. so much to say, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Today we are talking about Alistair Crowley. In case you just stumbled upon this podcast without looking at the title, right. welcome. This is the subject of today's show. Alistair Crowley. Alistair Ooh. Crowley, occultist, poet, mountaineer, bisexual, uh, con man, spy, and addict. My God. So, and like, that's not even all of it. Like, I chose just a couple select juicy titles there. There is mm. definitely more. I have to say that my only conception con, huh, my only conception of him before looking at this was from Supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> what actor plays him? He's that actor who's in every single nerdy thing. Is it Mark Shepard? I think it's Mark Shepard. I you know I don't watch that show. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but I love that in all ways you find a way to bring up a CW show. It is Mark Shepard, CW forever. For I don't life. think I could tell you who Mark Shepard is. He that's because he's been like a side character in every single thing. Um, let me tell you what else he's in. Um, da, 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 da. He's in basically every nerd cult show. Um, he's, I mean, then I definitely should know who he is. Let me. He Google shows this guy. up in Firefly. Who is he in Firefly? He's like in the first couple episodes. He's like one of the like. Um, people that they work with that they do contracts for oh yeah this guy's in everything yes yes huh. i think he was he was in star trek voyager yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah i swear he was also in doctor who at some point 
Yeah, he's in everything, and he plays Aleister Crowley in Supernatural, and he's in a lot of, of seasons of that show, and he's uh, he's very good. <laughs> so well, there you that's go. all. Well, that's fascinating. I learned something yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, I've definitely seen him in clips uh, on the internet of uh, from Tumblr, because I have a Tumblr, and yeah. Tumblr loves Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a long Almost time. Almost as much as Pinterest. <laughs> I don't, I really, I only use Pinterest like I'm a 50-year-old housewife. Like, mm. I use mm-hmm. it for deck plans. That's yes. that's the extent of my Pinteresting. I um, used to troll the, like, geek fandom page of that, like, five Oh, wait, hang on. Ago. When you say troll, you mean, like, fishing troll, like, going through and selecting good memes? Or do you yeah, mean that. troll like? Oh no no no! I mean, this is Pinterest. You don't like. I was talk gonna say. To people. Well, it could, it's possible that I could be using it wrong. Like I regularly use Twitter wrong. Oh well, yeah. Okay. Because I'm old. But anyway, there's a lot of pictures of him in various outfits. So. Well, there you go. Yeah, he's a yep. he's a good character actor, and he plays Alistair Crowley, who needs. Pre- <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> Yep. Talk about a man who wears many hats. Yes. I guess I'm just going to jump in because yeah, there's... Do. I mean, what else can I fucking do? Like, there's so much and it's it's fucking wild, guys. Mm-hmm. So he was born in 1875 to very wealthy parents. His, his father was a brewer who produced the then famous Crowley's Alton Ales. Mm-hmm. And his first name... Always helps me remember that he's a brewer's son, Alister. Alister. That's see, you'll oh never spell it wrong again. Oh my god. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so Alister Crowley, uh, Alister Crowley, uh, in addition to his parents being brewers, they were also Christian fundamentalists. <laughs> as you do. As you know, as one does. They were members of the Plymouth Brethren, who are quite closely related to Quakers, but without... Mm-hmm. The good, healthy sense of fun that Quakers have. Mm. Uh, the Plymouth Brethren. It's no longer Mercury and retrograde. You can't blame that anymore. I can't. No, I just suck. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so Plymouth, the Plymouth Brethren believed that anyone could be a minister. That everybody had a, a divinity, and that they could all talk to and for God. Mm. They also did something that that really struck out to me some of the foundational roots of Aleister Crowley's belief system. Yeah, I was just going to say, this kind of tracks with what I've read later on. Yes, they had to draw a circle before ceremonial prayer or worship would begin in order to protect the worshipers from outside influences, but also to concentrate their energies to make effectively a more pronounced worshipful voice to God. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, for all of my spooky bitches out there who also have a history with a little earth-based worship, that will be familiar to you. A lot of people today are familiar with Aleister Crowley as one of the major names in alternative religion. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of the alternative religions, for example, Wicca, there is a relationship between Richard Gardner, who's the father of Wicca, and Aleister Crowley. And some of the ceremonies within Wicca were actually developed by Aleister Crowley. And we can hmm. see the basis of them here in his childhood worship with the Plymouth Brethren. Wow. I know. Now, I can't decide, like, were, the, were his parents disappointed in him? Or, like, I feel like part of their religion would 
be like totally cool with him going off and being like, "This is my truth." Well, <laughs> I don't like. Yeah, his but they're father still Christian, died before so. he got super far into it, and I believe I gotcha. did read that his mother was was horrified. Uh, yeah, by I mean, his yeah. religion. That's now, what I would have assumed. He was also a loud and proud advocate for sex magic. And no. uh, that's yes, enough to we'll blow anybody's bonnet back. So, <laughs> Especially your mother's. <laughs> right. If you're not familiar with sex magic, briefly, I will tell you that it is using the ecstasy of orgasm to give additional oomph <laughs> to mm-hmm. your magic, which is really the same as prayer. So mm-hmm. it's like shouting "Oh God" while climaxing, but which like, plenty of people do already. Aha! Uh-huh, but really meaning it. <laughs> yes. Like this is for you, Jesus. Enjoy. <laughs> but in this case, um, it wouldn't be Jesus. It would be say, the mother or the mm-hmm. goddess or the god or Satan. They use it for Satanism as well. Mm-hmm. I also quick caveat: don't have a problem with Satanists. Some of the loveliest people I've ever met. There you go. And if you don't know much about Satanism, check it out. So, (laughs) because he was wealthy and educated, he was put amongst the wealthy elite, and he attended schmancy prep schools, including Ebor Prep. He would later go on to be educated at Cambridge, where he mounted... Sorry. (laughs) He would go on to be educated (laughs) at Cambridge, Uh where he majored in mountaineering. Oh... (laughs) My God, which Buster was Blaise. apparently something you could do in eight in the eighteen nineties. You could just be like, "I'm going to climb mountains. That's my skill." That's when there was a lot of real dumb people who were just trying to explore everywhere that yeah. hadn't been explored yet, and making a lot of really dumb decisions. So I, I'm I'm actually kind of proud of them for actually attempting to learn a yeah. skill that they would need because I okay, so uh, another podcast I listen to a lot is The Dollop uh-huh. and y- y'all should listen to it. It's fantastic, but a good like half of their episodes are about really dumb 19th century men trying to explore things and like dying. Dying, dying. So dying good for earnestly. him. For <laughs> We're trying to learn. Well, um, a lot of the exploring that he also did was sexually. Mm-hmm. In addition to uh, exploring mountains, he explored poetry. He was actually quite a good poet, uh, but his poetry ran to the erotic and to the blatantly <laughs> homosexual. So he's writing these openly homosexual poems. People are incensed about how mm. gross they are. Uh, I will say I read one and I, yeah, (laughs) like it was basically about cum stains and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) But at the same time, I think he was not given the same gravitas as Mm -hmm. Oscar Wilde because Oscar Wilde was a a figure of the elite. Uh, Mm -hmm. He had maybe more power over people with his plays and poems and books mm-hmm. and magazines, whereas Aleister Crowley was uh, a little more eccentric, had less power, but he was still writing openly homosexual and homoerotic works just two or three years after the death of hmm. Oscar Wilde. Hmm. After the death, uh, just just around the time he was he was sentenced, forgive me. Gotcha. He got involved with mountaineering and poetry and prostitutes and syphilis. <laughs> While he was at Cambridge. Got involved with syphilis? Well, in that he contracted syphilis and he had syphilis for the rest of his life. And at this point in time, 
The cure for syphilis was to give yourself mercury poisoning. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. that's not great either. So I sometimes think that maybe he was influenced. His wild escapades may have been birthed. From the mercury poisoning? From, I'm not saying he had mercury poisoning. I don't have that insight. I mean, I'm sure he had some light mercury poisoning. <laughs> right. I, I He would have had to be treating his syphilis because syphilis gets real ugly real quick. It has. I was also just fucking amazed at how long he lived now. <laughs> yes. So he was able to slow it down, I assume, through mercury work. Yeah. Which will effectively make you go insane. The Mad Hatter. Are you familiar with the Mad Hatter? Oh, yeah. And you know that the Mad Hatter in the mm-hmm. late Victorian era, when C.S. Lewis wrote Alice in Wonderland, he wrote the character of the Mad Hatter because at that point in time, people were making top hats out of beaver fur. And they had to make it shiny. Well, beaver's already pretty shiny. They had to make it stick together. Right. Gotcha. And they used mercury to do that. Yes. Uh, Breathing in mercury fumes all day basically turns your brain into Swiss cheese. Which is why a lot of them... uh... Yeah. Yeah. It it was like Mm -hmm. an occupational hazard that if you were going to make these hats, you were going to be a Looney Tune. So uh, Stereotypes. (laughs) Right. They come from somewhere. They exist... I will also put a caveat on here that his time at Cambridge, in which he spent mountaineering around Europe, mm-hmm. also is possibly when he became a spy for England. Wow. <laughs> Indeed. He was um, <sighs> most certainly mm-hmm. a government agent involved in foreign work, which to me says spy. <laughs> But mm-hmm. he certainly, you know, later would be working on World War One propaganda and, and all sorts of, we're, you know, we're going to get to it. I don't know why I'm, I'm spoiling yeah, yeah, things yeah. ahead of time. <laughs> so in 1898, as he's leaving Cambridge, he's looking for somewhere to explore his ideas about the occult and mm-hmm. the true nature of worship and one's own innate divinity. He stumbles upon the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Which is a, like possibly the mm. bossest name I've ever heard of. We should rename our show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we really kind of uh, <laughs> screwed the pooch. An opportunity there. Yeah, yeah we. Uh, this this could have been so much more badass, Jeff. I know. So the Order of the Golden Dawn, on paper, are very much like the Masons. They get mm-hmm. together. They do the worship. They're secret all society, but they also they have women. And for the longest time, oh. that's all I could find about their differences. The Order of the Golden Dawn was actually founded by three different men together. Uh, mm-hmm. William Robert Woodman, William Wynne Westcott, great name, and Samuel Little Matthews, or Liddell. Samuel Liddell Mathers. All three of them were Freemasons, and they based their work on the, the, the ceremonies of the three Masons. Mm-hmm. And he was well-liked by those three. Uh, they took the ideas of the Freemasons and they combined it with the Hermetic tradition of the Renaissance. Are you familiar with that? No. So the Hermetic tradition of the Renaissance is, as I understand it, during the, during the English Renaissance, there were people who were in ecstasy with God. And they mm-hmm. reached that point of ecstasy by completely secluding themselves from the outside world. They were, they were hermits. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it, it gave them a sort of apostic, uh, outside the, the dictations of the church, relationship mm-hmm. with God that for them was truer. Hmm. Um, and that also uh, was, it was a fairly large order. I think it does still exist today. 
And as popular as he was with the three founders, he was really not that popular with the London chapter members, Mm. including W.B. Yeats, William Butler Yeats. Oh. So the difference, the problem, was that Crowley was trying to be a leader uh, in the same way that sometimes I'm a leader in that I'm pushy. (laughs) What? Not me, yeah. (laughs) And Yeats and the rest of the Order of the Golden Dawn were very focused on light magic, white magic. So mm. they they had some uh, earth worshippers and, and pagans and Wiccans who are listening to this will be familiar with this adage, do what that harm it none, do as thou wilt. So, okay. so long as you're not hurting anybody, mm-hmm. do whatever you want to do. Right. The minute you hurt somebody, mm-hmm. that will be returned onto you three times. Now, if you do something good for somebody, that'll also go back onto you three times. Crowley did not espouse that belief. (laughs) No. He took that basic and he said, uh, the new law, do as thou wilt. That is the whole of the law. Oh, well, okay. (laughs) I mean, what could possibly go wrong? (laughs) I don't want to get into the nitty gritties of energy work and worship, uh, but a lot can go wrong. Uh And things went back and forth and back and forth. uh, And it almost divided the group until... (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm going to start laughing. It's the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard. In in the year 1900, Mm -hmm. two years after he joined the Golden Dawn, Aleister Crowley got in an astral slap fest with poet laureate W.B. Yeats. No, what? Yes. How? (laughs) Huh? Yes. So... So, so, so Yates. I have a question. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. I'm listening. Wait, wait, are they, Yates is like alive, right? Like yeah, this yeah, is, he was a, he okay, was a so contemporary. They're, they're in the same place? Yep, same are they, room. Same and room. they're astral? Uh, so <laughs> astral just means so, pulling from the ether, uh, uh-huh. spell work. He's... It's basically two grown ass men Are casting spells a at each other. Fucking wizards duel. Wizards <laughs> duel. Are you fucking kidding me? I am not. What are they doing? Are they? What are they? It gets better. But like, okay, so I don't want to offend anyone who might believe in the magics, but like, what does this look magics. like? <laughs> because surely there aren't actually sparks flying okay yeah so so basically uh please yates, tell me yates was leading the rest of the coven the order mm-hmm. in a ceremonial piece of white magic okay. and crowley wanting to practice his black magic thinking mm-hmm. that it's more powerful and will have better results for the group an age-old conflict indeed busts in yes <laughs> He he's wearing all black, in, including kilts. Uh, he's wearing okay. black kilts. He has a great big upside down cross on his chest, like a. a he has a nice... his magneto helmet on. Right? <laughs> and he is uh, casting pentagrams, upside down pentagrams in the air, and casting spells at WB uh-huh. Yates. Now, okay. okay. I practice. I practiced. I'm really not. I'm an atheopagan. So the, my atheist side is just chuckling up a storm. My pagan side is like, hey. 
<laughs> but yeah, so um, so Yates starts starts trying to to combat along with a couple of the other worshippers, combat mm-hmm. and bind the evil that Crowley is doing. They try to halt his advancement and and mm-hmm. remove him in his black kilt and crusader's cross. Mm-hmm. And his inverted pentacles. Yates, the white practitioner, is countering spells, but he also, when the spells weren't quite working the way he wanted, kicked Crowley down the stairs and called okay. the police. Yep, there we go. Okay. Because I'm just imagining like a bunch of grown-ass men standing around in a room, yelling at each other and waving their arms. I cast and magic he... missile. Nothing else than magic missile. Yes. Uh, that's basically what it looked like. It actually did result in a court case. This oh went to God. court. This went to public oh court. God. And eventually the court decided on the side of good magic. Well, thank God. On the grounds that they're the ones who rented the room. Jesus. And, and Crowley was crashing their white magic party. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Can you imagine being the judge of that case? I cannot. Especially because all of these people were pretty well received in society. Crowley, he wrote a lot of shit. And and the, the shit that he wrote was prolific. He was a prolific writer. And he traveled frequently. Dude went all over the world. He traveled mm-hmm. to Mexico. He went uh, hiking in the mountains and, and climbing in the mountains above Mexico City, which are the site of miracles. Do you know the Virgin of Guadalupe story? Nope. So I mean, um, I've probably heard of it tangentially, but, you know. I, you go, know, go I don't know. If you're not... Catholic, I don't know how many of us Protestants, people mm, raised Protestant, get, get the saint stories. Mm-hmm. So in the 1700s, I believe, uh, an image of Mary appeared uh, to a Don, uh, a, a, a Father Juan. On a piece of toast? <laughs> on a cloak, but yes. Oh, damn. <laughs> Along with 12 Castilian roses, which don't grow in those bare mountains. Oh. Um, and so... Mary appeared to them and said to to build the basilica there in Mexico City, which is the and she pressed her image onto the cloak. They've tested it. They can't tell what kind of dyes it is. It's mm. never flaked away. It's still there. Okay. Uh, yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah. So anyway, he traveled frequently. He went to Mexico. He went to Japan. He went to Hong Kong. He went to Algeria, India. Uh, he climbed K two. Well, he failed at climbing K2, but he did try. But did he die? No. But did he die? No, he did not. And while he was on K2, he discovered opium, which would eventually uh, lead to his... among us. Right, right. I mean, you know, when in Rome. Yeah. So that led to his uh, eventual heroin addiction. Mm-hmm. He married a woman named Rose Edith Kelly, and they honeymooned in Cairo. And Rose is almost a footnote to this story. They yeah. married her. She was there. He, he, they were practicing sex magic, and mm-hmm. he had a spiritual vision. They, they rolled into town claiming to be a prince and princess. During the spiritual vision, it turns out they really were ancient Egyptian goddess, gods and goddesses. Mm. Uh, and it gave him the vision of Thelema. Thelema was a combination of a couple different religious practices into something that you might you might see the roots of again modern neo-paganism. Mm-hmm. So he he took this thelema and he takes it around the world. The the word thelema is the Greek word for will as in like 
my oh, my okay. will be done. Yeah. And so again, it goes back to that do as thou wilt. That is the whole of the law. Yeah, that, that tracks. As he's traveling around the world, he buys a house in Scotland that kind mm. of acts as home base. And this house in Scotland is pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's called the Boleskin House. Have you heard of it? I have because I have a couple of notes on it, but Hey-o. I don't know the whole story. So tell me. Well, and then I'll jump in. I will just rudely butt in with all of my information. That perfect. I'm just like, let me tell you. I will tell to you a thing. Mm-hmm. So this Boleskin house is actually on the site of a church. Um, it's We're 21 miles south of Inverness, so we're in the Scottish mm-hmm. Highlands, on the shores of Loch Ness. Yes, that Loch Ness. Yes. The church had a graveyard, and in the early 1600s, they had a pesky little necromancer who kept mm. bringing up the bodies and bringing no. them back to life. That's that's okay. That's We don't need that. You know, that's... Thanks, bud, but why don't you go brew some you beer or something useful? near Loch Ness. Why, don't, why are you fucking with these dead jerks? Like, why? I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, Wait, is, is Nessie immortal? Because... Oh. That's a great like, question. It just occurred to me, like, how old is Nessie? Well, or she shows up in Outlander. Have... I yeah, I just remembered that as you were saying that. I didn't want to say it out loud, but I was like, oh yeah, we're coming up to that part, huh? I mean, if we're I, like, if we're going for it, let's go for it. Like, yeah, yeah. My, I have no uh, idea. I don't study that particular cryptid. I know. Yeah, I mean neither. But yeah, does Nessie have parents? Because like. I need, okay, get at us, I guess. <laughs> yeah, guys, if you know anything about Loch Ness, hit us up. Um, I think it is. <laughs> so uh, this, this necromancer was bringing people up. The, the father of the local church was laying the souls back to rest. The next father who came in may have been cursed. And the, during a church service, when the church was full of practitioners, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, that's not the word, parishioners, well, you know. The church burned, and everybody within died. Oh, shit. Quite quite the curse. Yeah. By the 1700s, the property was built up as a hunting lodge, a spite <laughs> hunting lodge. <laughs> Do you have notes about that? No. Oh, my goodness. Jeff, you're missing the best stuff. I guess I am. So, as we know, the 1700s in Scotland was quite a fraught time. There was mm. yes, a great boy, do deal. We know it. <laughs> yeah, thank you, uh, thank you Diana Gableden. We know everything <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, but no, really, uh, it was the time of the Jacobite uprisings, and in Scotland, Scotland was under really horrific, abusive control at the hands of the English military. Yeah, really not cool, guys. Deeply not cool. Come on, uh, knock it off. Surprising, kind of, kind of yeah. rude, rude. Even rude, I would say frankly. the English were being quite rude. So during that time, the Scottish Highlanders especially banded together to form what we call the Jacobite Uprising, Mm. where they they were getting into skirmishes, military battles that that resulted in in quite a few deaths. And the the Battle of Culloden. (laughs) Yes, the Battle of Culloden. Very good, Jen. Lord Lovett supported the English. Mm Mm-hmm. And the the Fraser who built the house 
was mm-hmm. pissed that he was supporting the English. So mm. he built this house to interrupt his view and to infringe mm. upon his good hunting land. <laughs> it's a spite house, a spite property. God, I love that. Yeah. Oh. So the house is already on land that has known necromancers and church tragedy uh, and spite and battles. It's and a lot of energy. It's mm-hmm. also considered to be the geographic center of the highlands. What? Yes. Wow. The geographic center of the highlands. And in addition to that, it has consecrated ground. Remember, it's a not ceremony, cemetery. Yes, (laughs) where the dead people are. Where the dead people are. And so that site uh, has a crisscross ley line of being the center of the geographic center of the highlands, as well as being the, the closest consecrated ground to the center of the highlands. Lots of energy piling up there. Yeah. So Crowley taps into that. He is performing a six-month piece of magic called the Magic of Abramel the Mage. The uh-huh. it's, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> this magic is designed to call your guardian angel to you. Mm-hmm. But first you have to call 12 kings and dukes of hell. Okay, everything sounds like a fucking D&D campaign here. There is a reason for that. High fantasy. <laughs> yep. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien is to fantasy as Aleister Crowley is to alternate religion. Mm. Pretty much we are all playing in the sandbox that Crowley built. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yep, so that's why it all sounds so, so fucking familiar. D&D is playing in Crowley and Tolkien's playhouse. Really? It, yes, and, and there's a lot more overlap than that. You bet your sweet bippy there is. Uh, so this, this six-month piece... My sweet piece, bippy indeed. <laughs> quite, quite. Yes. So this six-month piece of magic uh, required a great deal of nudity, a great deal of yes. orgasms, Obviously. a structure with a door to the north, uh, right. and a secluded location, you know, for all the nudity and orgasms. Yes. Scotland. <laughs> Unfortunately, halfway through the ceremony, where he'd already mm. conjured these dukes of hell, he had to suddenly leave. He was called by one of the leaders of the Order of the Golden Dawn, and he just <laughs> fucked off. <laughs> now, well, I again, think he was done fucking off. Right. Uh, <laughs> that was a terrible joke. <laughs> if, you, if you perform ceremonial worship... You know how important it is to create a circle. To finish? Oh, sorry. Also, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So when you create a circle, you call all this energy in, you use it to work your will, and then you dispel the energy and break the circle and let the Mm. energy roll. Yes. Put everything back where you found it, basically. Yep. Put that back where I found it. (laughs) Crowley's just, all right, I'm going to leave these dukes of hell here. Peace off, motherfuckers. Yeah, everyone knows the most important thing about using a Ouija board is saying goodbye. It is. Yes. You have to close it off. Everything needs closure. Most important. So he didn't do that. He was just like, all right, I got to run to Paris. Everybody stay here. Well, shit, man. And uh, there was some fallout. I, Mm -hmm. I don't have all the notes. Do you have the notes in front of you? Yes. You went into way more detail on the beginning stuff. So good. Yeah, good job. Because uh, I was it. like, uh, he did this thing, and then uh, I don't know. But I do have some like weird, weird TM shit has happened since 
since he left and didn't close the circle. His housekeeper's two children died mysteriously and abruptly of unknown circumstances, at least to me. So that's always fun. Um, But you could kind of ignore that if that were the only thing. Yeah, childhood Uh, death in the early 1900s in the Scottish Highlands. I mean, they were dying everywhere. Right. (laughs) Sometimes they just ate some bad leaves. Right. Um, (laughs) Sorry, everything's an Outlander reference when it comes to Scotland. So also uh, one employee of the estate who had long abstained from alcohol fell off the wagon and got drunk and attempted to murder his whole family. Oh, shit. You know, like, that happens to alcoholics. They, you know, make a mistake. And I they mean, pretty much and... everybody in my family is an alcoholic, and the yeah. only people we try to murder are our own inner demons. Well, yeah. Yeah, not everyone who falls off the wagon attempts to go on a murderous rampage. So, yeah, I guess that's that's not always the case. Yeah, for... it's a little above and beyond here, actually. Yeah, yeah. So after... The house changed hands in 1965. I have a, an army major who owned the house died from a suicide by shotgun. Sad. Again, not sad and also like could be a coincidence. But like all of these things could be nothing, but there it did definitely give the house a general air of spookiness. And there definitely were reports of things happening and bumps in the night and et cetera. But who owns the property next is none other than Led Zeppelin's Jimmy Page. Who has a penchant for owning haunted houses. Yes, did we ever figure out what... No. Other... Okay, it's fine. Guys, somebody remind us which house we talked about Jimmy Page owning that was also fucking haunted. It used to be a orphanage. You'll tell us. Yeah, so he likes... He likes owning uh, haunted houses. Uh, Apparently, he didn't really spend a lot of time here, though. So he, he ended up bequeathing it to a friend who didn't mind the quote unexplained creaks groans and various ghostly apparitions but he was however bothered by the crowley and page fans who kept showing up on the property so i have some different notes what do you have about malcolm dent who was in charge of the property for jimmy page okay he had a couple bad nights oh really he regularly heard rumblings in the hall when he mm-hmm. would stop to see who was out there talking he'd open the door it would the noise would stop. No. And when he reshut the door, the it, talking and and walking noises would start again. Yeah. Allegedly, it was the ghost of Lord Lovett who had been executed. Oh, okay. He had a friend stay over, a female friend, who was attacked by some sort of devil in the night. She reported mm-hmm. having her face scratched, her hand scratched, her hair pulled. No. And one night he heard a wild animal banging, some sort of uh, noise determined to get into his room. He was so terrified he couldn't face opening the door until morning. Mm-hmm. And he denoted that as being pure evil. Whatever it was, it was pure evil. But yes, he was also sick of dealing with all the Jimmy Page and Aleister Crowley fans. Well, you know. As one would be. So I also have that later owners kind of just like tried to put that all aside. Maybe they just didn't report what they experienced or maybe it did really go quiet. But in 2015, the owners returned home from a shopping trip to find the house completely in flames. (laughs) nobody, Nobody was there, right? I, I, it doesn't sound like it. It sounded like more of a whimsical fun fact than okay. like everybody's dead. Right. 
So I did read that it will likely never be. It's in such a terrible state mm-hmm. that it will likely never be a whole house again, unless mm-hmm. an occultist with some money behind them decides that it's something that they're interested in. Yeah, it's probably for the best that it stays how it is. Yeah. I, I think I don't know. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, so this Bluskin house was the was the home base. For Crowley and he and his wife again they're in Egypt and they get this vision Thelema mm-hmm. that Thelema created eventually what is called the book of law that Gardner will bring and will be some of the basis for Wicca Crowley had set up a temple room in Cairo and began invoking Egyptian gods while he was also studying Islam and mysticism and Arabic uh, Rose had become delirious and three days later, uh, she she switched. Um, she she was looking over and said that she had this vision and she was speaking in other languages. And that's what brought them to the Book of Law. Uh, they started taking Thelema all over the world, mm-hmm. especially into the United States. During the his time in the United States, that's where he spent World War I. And during that time, he was creating propaganda for Germany mm-hmm. against the British war effort. Okay. But why was he doing that? I don't know. Why? He was creating particularly bad propaganda to undermine oh, the German war effort. Wow. Because again, he was a spy. He 100% mm-hmm. did work for the British government. So okay. he, as much as he's a nutball, mm-hmm. remember that he also has a place in he's MI6. He's our nutball, god damn it. Well, not ours, but yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm, not ta- I'm not he's taking fine. credit for him. He's a psycho. Yeah. So he he takes Thelema all over the world. Um, In 1920, he kind Mm -hmm. of leaves his wife behind. I think he's gotten what he was going to get out of her. Yeah, he he... tends to do that. There's a lot of women that you meet and then are never mentioned again. (laughs) So so, um, I'm going to take you into the Abbey of Thelema, uh, Mm -hmm. which is opened in Sicily. So he had been labeled as scum for his efforts in the war works. He he couldn't, of course, tell people. <laughs> Just kidding. I was poning the British or poning the Germans, <laughs> and he had also developed asthma, which he started taking heroin to mm-hmm. counteract yep. because yeah. it was 1900, and obviously you could get heroin in your chewing gum. Yep. So again, earlier he'd been addicted to opium. Now he's addicted to straight heroin. <laughs> he left his wife at Loch Ness and he moved with his two girlfriends mm-hmm. and their kids to Sicily. The heat was going to help him with his asthma. There they worshipped and relaxed. Everything was kind of like drugs, sex, magic, and sex magic. And pretty, pretty soon cool. this villa in Sicily was like a fucking hoarder house. Everything was oh, unsanitary Jesus. and disgusting. There were wild animals running in and out of the property. They oh. were finding all sorts of like animal mess and human mess com- combined. And into this site comes Raoul Loveday and his wife, Betty May. Isn't mm-hmm. that a great name? And Betty that May, is... she's Betty well May named. has no business in this place. She... I'm just saying, with a name like that, right? you do not belong in this story. Listen to the... Her name was Betty May, and she uh-huh. followed Raoul into oh this sex cult. Betty May yep. had no business being here. No. Go back to Indiana, girl. I don't know. If that, yep. I have no idea if she's from Indiana, but Betty May sounds like she's from Indiana. Yeah. And honestly, Indiana... Sounds great compared to this shit. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
Uh, Love a day, love day. Uh, he he's worshiping. He he's having sex with all these different women. He's Gosh. also complaining because he's forced to have homosexual sex, which he wasn't as into. <sighs> so during their time, they're out, they're walking, they're screwing in nature, and mm-hmm. Love Day drinks some polluted water from a local stream, and he dies. Betty Mae leaves, and she just never signed the non-disclosure. And so she puts the whole fucking thing on blast. Tells the whole nine yards. She says that they had to cut themselves anytime they said I or me or my. Okay. They had to drink the blood of sacrificed cats. Mm. They had mandatory homosexual and uh, homoerotic ritual. Mm -hmm. And it was so wild. Remember, this is also the rise of Mussolini. Oh. This, is, oh, this is gonna go over like a lead balloon. This is gonna oh. go over like a pregnant pole vaulter. Mm-hmm. And so both the British government and the Italian government are like, "What the fuck?" They're both appalled. Crowley is expelled from Italy. <sighs> yeah, and that is just his younger days. Yep. <laughs> so Jen, I'm gonna pass on the baton to you. Yeah. And you're going to carry on with this motherfucker. There's yeah. so much. You know what? I actually, I do want to say uh, mm. in relation to, I, I just want to give a quote. He, okay. he did have some really, he was funny. I think he was also quite mean. I feel like I wouldn't have liked him if I knew him. Oh, yeah. I think he probably gets meaner in his later years or something. I don't know. I ended my notes being like, wow, this guy sucks. So syphilis and mercury poisoning will do that to you, as well as being a crusty old addict. Yeah. But I do like this quote. May the new year bring you the courage to break your resolutions early. My own (laughs) plan is to swear off any sort of virtue so that I may triumph as I fall. Hmm. I know. I might use that as next year's quote. Yeah, I think you should just... Put that every year. Yeah. On January 1st when everyone's like, I'm going to give up sugar. (laughs) I'm going to go to the gym every week. I'm going to be like, fuck you people. I'm going to get worse. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Just like. So, okay. There is a lot of threads in this Tapestry do human. Yes. So I hope that I can connect them. But there, I think there's going to be a couple that I'm just really not entirely sure. But we'll try to figure it out together. Anyway. So. He does, He gets kicked out by Mussolini um, in 1923. From there, he goes to Tunisia. He tried to give up heroin, but was unsuccessful because it's heroin. Yeah. Surprisingly difficult to give up. Weird. They, uh, he started writing his auto-hagiography, The Confessions of Aleister Crowley. I'd read uh, it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's, it's a... Yeah, that sounds It sounds like a probably fucking page insane. turner. Yeah, I don't like I want to know what he has to say about his own life really. Right? Um yeah. account for yourself, sir. <laughs> he meets more people, uh performs a lot more sex magic. <laughs> he just spends like the next few years kind of moving be- between Tunisia and France. He lives in Nice and Paris. Uh he writes more books, he takes in new followers, gets more women pregnant. There's just so many names thrown around and none of them pop up again. So it's just like, we are as 
<laughs> two, you know, leaves floating in a stream, and we pass, and we go on our own ways, and whatever. Right, ships in the night, man. Ships Just in the night. That's the passing the expression. that syphilis around. Mm, yes. Oh my God, I didn't even think about all the syphilis being passed around. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of prophylactics in early 1900s Europe. Plus, I imagine he's like not the kind of guy who worries about that. He thinks his semen is sacred. Yeah. And not like a mess that is a hindrance to other people's lives. He literally Mm -hmm. thinks it's the stuff of gods and magic. He thought he had a magic dick. Mm -hmm. And so he wasn't going to worry too much about his scary, shrunken, peeling, shanker-covered dick. Probably like close to falling off. Literally, they did. Yeah. (laughs) Stage three syphilis, you start losing body parts. You lose your fucking nose. Yeah. And parts of your chin and all your other... You can lose your extremities, including your fucking dick. So wrap it Mm -hmm. before you tap Mm -hmm. it, people. Yes, exactly. So he also gets involved... um, I was unclear if he was already involved with this. The Ordo Templi Orientis. Yes, he is. I have some notes here about the OTO. Mm -hmm. He comes across that in the Himalayans as he's going to cross... Uh, he's going to climb K2 with a bunch of Germans. Gotcha. Uh, but it was so much detail, I couldn't get into it all. It really is, yeah. So, like, he he's involved with the OTO, and when the previous head of the OTO dies, he claims that he was named the new head. But, like, with the Catholic Church, there was a lot of dispute over it, and so it split. <laughs> and- Wait, hang on, I have to say... Sorry, just, I'm yeah. sorry about what I'm about to say. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, he was saying that he was the new head because of his syphilis. He had lost his other one. And oh like syphilis, there was a split in the head after things had fallen apart. Yeah. Uh, uh, disgusting. Okay. okay, I'm sorry. That's good. Kill me. That's good. Very good. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he goes... Back to Paris, where he continues to take a number of lovers and continues with the sex magics. But he is, at this point, kind of starting to catch up with his poor health conditions, largely, you know, due to his syphilis, his heroin addiction, and his cocaine addiction. Yeah. He also, in 1928, he publishes one of his most significant works, Magic in Theory and Practice. Which you can still buy copies of today in most places. Yeah. And of course, it's magic spelled with a K because he wanted the old timey spelling. Well, <laughs> and and he thought it was an important thing to differentiate between children's magic puppet shows. Oh, and the, and the very important magic that he was performing. <laughs> right. And again, you know, I can sit here all smug in my atheism and be like, ha ha ha. But yes. also, I've practiced some of these things and I have had some things work. So right. I'm I'm sneering right now. But understand that I also do have a, a, a more than iota of respect for it. So I'm sorry and if we're pissing anybody off. <laughs> I have very little to do with it. So I apologize. I probably shouldn't be making fun of it. Eh. But, you know. I mean, sneering atheism is kind of fun, too. I'll also laugh at Christianity, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, who wouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> We've got baggage. So... <laughs> um, Also, during this time, he meets a Nicaraguan woman uh, named Maria Teresa Sanchez. He is deported from France because they suspect that he's a German agent. Yep. 
Not and they have stuff to go on. They yeah, have reasons okay. to believe. Oh, that's right. The propaganda. Yeah. I forgot about that. So yeah, he's getting kicked out of France and he wants to bring Maria with him, but she can't because of visas or something. So he ends up marrying her and then literally never, she is never mentioned again. So <laughs> like, this is the thing that is insane to me. Pretty sure There's, Rose is still alive at this time. Right? Like, I want to know how many, how many of these women are still alive and how many people is he married to at the same time? Like... Honestly, I could spend years researching this guy and probably mm-hmm. not answer all these questions. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fine if you want to do that. I just like, well, okay, I, it's not. If you're if the other if the women are not cool with it, it's not. Right. But like how exhausting is this? This is around the time where I was like, my god, man, just like settle down and just chill for a while. Right. Like, He's just like moving every single year with a new woman every other month and they're never heard from again. Like he's just impregnating and marrying and doing all kinds of sex magic. And I'm just like so tired. Yeah, I'm exhausted for them. Like I need to lay down and take a nap now. Yes, but we're not done. So by 1930, he's back in Berlin where he takes uh, Hanny... I don't know how to pronounce this. Hannah Yeager as his magical partner. Uh, she was 19 and the relationship was, quote, troubled. <laughs> Doesn't describe how. But five months later, he travels to Lisbon to meet the poet Fernando Pizzoa. Okay. And in growing increasingly frustrated with Yeager, uh, he complains to Pessoa about her pathological fear in lying Oh, no, he complains to his diary. Excuse me. He's writing all this in his diary. Dear diary. Dear dear diary. Who I already given syphilis to is really pissing me off. No, I don't think he married this one. He's just, (laughs) they're just together. Um, So he hatches a plan to fake his own death at the coast. (laughs) (laughs) As you do. Anybody else could have just had a conversation. Like, German chick. This isn't working for me anymore. Listen, it's not Fuck working on out. Off back to Germany. <laughs> Do you think this is how he, like, I know this is like his only, like, for sure noted death attempt, but like, for sure he ghosted like a million women. Who knows? Like, right? That might like, have just I'm, been his MO. Like, he doesn't really seem to have the emotional maturity to break it off with all these right. women. Right. Just he, like, it's kind of like uh, April in Rent. We have AIDS mm. and then slit your wrists in the bathtub. But he didn't really slit his wrists. He just faked slitting it. And then yeah. when she's crying her eyes out, he skedaddles. And fucking wrote about it in his diary. Oh my um, God, he's <laughs> such a ponce. Yeah. So he uh, sets this whole thing up with Pizzoa. And he decides to fake his own death at the coastal cliff called Boca do Inferno. Boca do Inferno. Yeah, which is like... In all amongst all this, he has to keep his aesthetic, <laughs> which I appreciate. <laughs> yep. So he. Do you know? Did you say what Boca di Inferno means? Oh, I mean, I assume it's mouth of the of hell. It's the mouth of hell. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I was just assuming everyone has a rudimentary understanding of Portuguese. Um, <laughs> but just in case for you plebs, here you go. <laughs> yeah. I guess if you have to. Uh, God. Uh. So basically, he just, I think, 
wants it to look like he fell off the cliff and died or or jumped off the cliff to his death oh yeah no he fakes it, it he's faking a suicide because he does write a note so he the, he does this on september 21st 1930 um or at least that's when he's writing about it he wrote a letter to jaeger uh, apparently that uses the phrase i cannot live without you so i'm dying i don't I don't know. He's not. I know. And also, he's annoyed by her. I cannot live without you. Exactly. If, if somebody's going to annoy fuck? me to my fake death, I'm going to fucking tell him. Yeah, You annoyed right? me so much, I killed myself. Deal with that for eternity. Fuck off. Yeah, like, that is kind of the perfect time to be like, hey, you really annoyed me. Goodbye forever. <laughs> annoyed me to death. Yes. You drove me oh to this. God. That's essentially the plot of... 13 reasons why what is that book that i didn't read or watch the netflix show the the tapes with the tapes i have no idea what you're talking about it's fine a lot of people watched it it was but it oh 13 reasons why yeah 13 reasons why yeah Mm -hmm. i don't watch trash so (laughs) i do but i didn't watch that one so his whole i i just have to quick shout out to that note there's Mm -hmm. another line to it that kind of points to his uh poetic eroticism Mm. the other mouth of hell that will catch me will never be as hot as yours oh that's right yes hot dog all right that's Mm. a pretty good line that was good (laughs) i get it cool yeah you syphilitic bad boy my god (laughs) oh that's where he loses me i know it's like you want it you're like ah no you're actually kind of shitty um anyway so Pezoa in all this seems to just have been the hype man for this whole plan. He basically was just like, oh, no, he's dead. And the next day he claimed to have seen his ghost and all that. But it didn't really, I don't know, like, I'm really wondering how much thought um, Crowley or or just like, how much he cared about this whole plan because three weeks later he's seen at a gallery opening of his own artwork in Berlin. <laughs> So he's just like, sup, sup, people, I'm here. Yeah, Here I am, you thought I was dead. Yeah, he's just like, oh, nope, I'm here now, and just, like, doesn't mention it, and it's fine, it's fine. That was actually really stupid of him. He should have waited until the art sold, because a dead artist's art is worth double to triple what an artist was worth alive. You're right, he just So if he'd faked his death and just, like, waited 20 minutes, he could have made a bundle, too. But he had to have the attention. So he ends up back in London where he has a lot of like speaking engagements and he is just kind of like hanging out. He sues a bunch of people for libel and wins some of the cases, but he still ends up declaring bankruptcy because apparently he's been spending three times his income for several years. Probably. And also heroin will make you do wild shit. Yeah. This is also about the time where Nazism is starting to become a thing in Germany. Germany. Yep. Tell me he does not become a Nazi. He, well, he's kind of considering it. He he is influenced by a friend, Martha Kunzel, um, who believed that Hitler might be converted to Thelema. Ah, as we know, there is some Mm -hmm. basis in that. Yeah. Hitler was an occultist. He was an occultist, and so I think, especially with the whole, like, I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want kind of attitude that Hitler seems to exude, I think there was definitely some grounds for that idea. This is fascinating. And also, the Nazis abolished the German OTO and Uh imprisoned 
or at least tried to imprison for at least a while Germer, who is the the leader of the OTO in Germany from the other then, side of the split head. Yes, I guess so. But him and Crowley seem to be on okay terms. Hmm. So Germer flees to the U.S. and Crowley lambasts Hitler as a black magician. This is the is, best. Which is ironic, also, because that's right. like what he is. So I don't know. Yeah, he he and Hitler are not happening now. You no, know, honestly, there's so many inconsistencies. I almost wonder if everything, everything was for the order of the British, you know, Secret Service. Mm. And all of it is about getting into high places with the Nazis and mm. traveling the world, seeing and selling information. I almost wonder theory. if the whole thing is a just a big con. spy cover-up. Yeah. That's a really long con. Well, and okay, he also picks up syphilis and a heroin addiction on the way. You know, Albus Dumbledore had problems mm. too. Nobody's golden. Right. I don't know. It's so wild. Know. It's almost, it's all believable to me. Mm-hmm. Like, the, so, this guy did not do anything by half. Yeah, no, he really went full in on everything. <laughs> so what I have next is kind of like, I'm not really sure how that tracks with what you said, because I, I have when World War II broke out, he offered his services to the Naval Intelligence Division, mm-hmm. which, but they declined. Right. But I don't, okay. So, so what, he was he was already working for someone else, or what was? He just, uh, first off, can we really trust that they declined? What That's The true. only stuff I have about World War II is that he was getting towards the end of his life during World War II. Yeah. And he gave the idea of a a a symbol mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. cut through the negative like evil eye of the Nazis and that symbol was the V for victory and it, yeah. it it might actually be based on the idea that scissors cut paper are think you of, kidding me think of the Nazi salute <laughs> Are you kidding me? I've seen that meme so many times. Exactly. It's kind of, well, it's sort of like symbolic magic that we can, this V means victory, but also it's, it's cutting the, the big symbol of the Nazis. And so sometimes that's enough to have that sort of intent. Uh-huh. And also, it's just a cool motion. It's easy to do. I don't know. You can't. You can't yeah. be sure. You can't. I would. I if I had a time machine, I might go follow this guy around. <laughs> I just want to fucking know. You'd be so tired. You'd be so so tired. I mean, like, yeah, I'm tired now. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I, you know, I've always kind of gotten a, a charge out of a good ceremonial magic session. So yeah, there you go. On the other hand, do I want syphilis? I don't know. These are the questions. There are so many. There are um, so many. But yeah, possibly it's that scissors cut paper. That's fucking insane. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell if I want that to be true or if I don't. I don't. It's so stupid. It's so dumb. I. It's it's almost too dumb to even exist. But But it was a theory put forward... On, on I went to like 19 sites mm. and it, it wasn't a joke site I like double checked they okay. they meant it <laughs> all right well we'll, we'll we'll go with that right and so, I understand enough about sympathetic magic to know what they're saying yeah but he did associate with a bunch of cool people in the intelligence community 
at the time as well, including Ro- Roald Dahl and Ian Fleming. Cool. So, fun times. But in Roald 19- Dahl, the witches Roald Dahl? Roald Dahl, Matilda Roald Dahl? I believe so. Jesus Christ, what a time to be alive. Everyone is a fucking spy. <laughs> you know? And, wow. And who else? Oh, no, no, no. Um, What's the, that actor's name? Christopher Lee! He was he, also a spy, wasn't he? I have no idea. Oh, that's right. You didn't watch Lord of the Rings. I did not. <laughs> Does yeah. he talk about being a spy in Lord of the Rings? Oh, there's this... Okay, not in Lord of the Rings, but in the special features. Okay, bear with me a second. Oh, so dear he's, God. He's, this is how I always know that shit's about to get wild about Lord of the Rings. The Lord <laughs> of the Rings fan will say unto me, bear with me a second. <laughs> Buckle in, folks. It's going to be a long one. All right, Jeff, you've got the con. What do you got for us? Okay, so it's not that long. But this is in, like, the special features. So this is a deep dive because, obviously, it's not part of the actual plot of Lord of the Rings. But so he's talking about how, you know, the process of filming it. And Peter Jackson, at some point, um, his the his, Christopher Lee's character gets stabbed in the back. And that's kind of how he dies. Spoiler alert. Um and so Peter Jackson, the director, is telling him, like, how to act when he gets stabbed in the back. And he's like, no, 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 no. I know what it sounds like when someone gets stabbed in the back. <laughs> and it's like, what? What a thing to fucking say. <laughs> Christopher Lee stabbed somebody? I don't know. He at least knows what it's like. What the fuck? I have so many questions. I have so many questions. Okay, well, good. I'm glad that's information we have now. And I'm proud of you for keeping that concise. Thank you for not going all the way back to the Silmarillion. Oh, my God, you fucking nerds. So, um, in 1940, his asthma is worsening, and with the German-produced medication unavailable, he returns to using heroin, once again becoming (laughs) addicted. Just lifelong, lifelong addiction to heroin. Um, That's really sad, actually. Yeah, I wish we yeah. had better medicine for people, even today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, the opioid crisis is essentially... <laughs> right. <laughs> A failure of modern medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he kind of at this point knows that his time is becoming a little short. Um, he is still in contact with Germer from who is in the U.S., and so he names him as his successor. And he continues writing some more books and poetry, and he develops plans to produce a tarot card set, which he designed, and another OTO initiate, Lady Frida Harris, would illustrate. I don't know if that act did that actually get made. Do you it know? actually was made post posthumously. Okay. I've used it once; Good. it didn't connect well with me. Okay, um, it does have some big changes between the Rider Weight deck, like. Uh, let's see, the the card for fortune, you know, fortune, mm-hmm. fortune's wheel, you don't know what's going to come, mm-hmm. becomes the card for will, make it happen. And like, oh, okay. That, that just doesn't appeal to my brand of paganism. So it, it, didn't, yeah. it wasn't a deck that connected with me, but otherwise it's a pretty well-respected deck. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's, in 1940, this is about where I started not liking him. In 1944, he, well, okay, I didn't like him with all the other ladies right, that like, he's he really lost to. me drinking the dead cat blood. Oh, God. Yeah, Sicily. That was too much yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. Picture it, Sicily, 1927. The year 1927. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> anyway, um, so thank you he... for being a friend. <laughs> of course. <laughs> anyway, in 1944, he hires a young man named Kenneth Grant as a secretary, paying him in magic lessons, not actual money. <laughs> An internship. An internship. Uh, what an asshole. And then finally, on December 1st, 1947, he dies of chronic bronchitis aggravated by pleurisy, pleur- pleurisy and, uh-huh. and mitocardial degeneration uh he was 72 years old i honestly i'm amazed he made it that far me too not a whole lot of 72 year old heroin addicts rolling around out there not a whole lot of 72 year old syphilitic heroin addicts (laughs) with asthma (laughs) and again i'm not making fun of heroin addiction my very best friend died of a heroin addiction Mm -hmm. so i understand how serious it is i laugh but that's why it's so that's why it's so incredible that he did make it that long yeah yeah, most of the heroin addicts I know don't see their upper 30s. So, yeah. yeah, 72. Well, that really speaks to how powerful sex magic can be, guys. Yeah, I guess so. Point um, your orgasm towards the sky. There we go. So he was cremated in a ceremony that was attended by several of his occultist friends, and it was later called a black mass by the tabloids. And naturally. his Yeah, naturally. His ashes were sent to, to Germer in the U.S., who buried them in his garden in Hampton, New Jersey. Road trip? Road trip? Road trip? Anyone? Anyone? Right, right, right. I wonder if you can go visit that. That would be kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Whip out a Ouija board, because I have a series of questions. (laughs) I have so many unanswered questions. So, yeah, guys, that's Aleister Crowley. What a fucking wild ride. Indeed. Holy shit. So this uh, email uh, is called Haunted by Association. So color me intrigued. I love it. It comes to us from our friend Jen W. Hello, Facebook friends. Hi. Um, We're friends, we're friends, we're friends. Hi. (laughs) Uh, And she says, hello, spookables. Love that. I'm very into this. It's like a spooky Lunchable, two things that appeal to me. My God, I came so close to buying a Lunchable last week. Do it. Which what flavor were you gonna get? If you pizza, don't say pizza, obviously. Thank you. That's the it's only the one. Only one. <laughs> I can cut my own crackers and cheese. Thanks, Lunchable. Listen, I don't need your half-assed charcuterie board. <laughs> if there's one thing we can do, it's put together a nice charcuterie board. But there's something about that weird cardboard pizza with the fake ass cheese and the zesty sauce. It It is so good. good. I don't understand. Follow up question. Do you microwave yours? No. (laughs) Neither do I. But I know people who do. And I think it's a reason. It is because the whole point is that you it's what you brought to school for lunch. And so that's the only context in which I've eaten it. See, in my school, which only had 62 kids. You had a microwave? They, well, no, the teachers would come around and see if anybody had anything to microwave, and they would go microwave it for us. What the fuck? Well, if there's only 62 kids, yeah, I guess and you're microwaving like 20 things. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We got to keep going because this Sorry. is long. <laughs> yes. Buckle up. <laughs> okay. So this has been a year and a half of n- nerve work up so I could... Oh, okay. A year and a half of nerve workup so that I could tell you my haunted tale. Oh man, you don't have to work that hard. We want to hear it. But be aware that some background has to go into it for the situation to be completely understood. So please bear with me. (laughs) Absolutely. I promise to at least make the novella length enjoyable. 
All right. So to start, I'm not exactly what someone might call gifted in the paranormal sense. And there's a reason for that, I think. I remember having a few experiences when I was a kid, a bedroom door slamming in the middle of the night, someone whispering my name, being visited by my great grandmother. Okay. Okay. Yep. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, nothing big. Uh, Literally, she says, nothing huge, nothing really memorable, but like would have been standout moments for me. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) everything's relative, I guess. But when I was young, very young, we moved into a place that could only be described as hell on earth, capitalized. Jesus. Okay. (laughs) Picture your very 70s sort of sitcom set, complete with brown carpet, marigold, yellow appliances, tacky gold and wood chandelier, in quotes. And even the master bathroom's most god-awful, hideously fake, blood-red-on-cream damask wood paneling that was supposed to look like expensive wallpaper. Who knows? Wow, that's horrifying. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe back in the 70s it did. (sighs) Whatever the decor, my mother was in love with the place right down to the Victorian insult that decorated her bathroom. So we moved in. (laughs) It looked like that, and and she was like, yes, please. (laughs) Apparently. Some people only have taste in their mouth. I'll take it. Oh, God. (laughs) That's a good one. Okay. And from there, for the next several years, I had horrific nightmares every night. Oh, no. Oh, no. Nope. I I already don't like this. Yeah. I still remember quite a few of them vividly, and and talking about this sometimes brings them back, so I won't dwell too much on the details, if you don't mind. Not at all. Yeah, no, do what you gotta do. Well, that Uh, stuff jumps, too. Like, if you're sympathetic enough, you can hear other people's bad dreams and then get them yourself. Oh, okay. Yeah, enjoy. Those are facts. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) uh, Are you nervous now? (laughs) Well, I'm dense as a brick, so I'm probably fine, but... (laughs) Anyway, sorry, I'll stop distracting. The important thing of note to note here is that each nightmare featured the same man over and over, and he was somehow a part of the dreams. He would always be watching me, as if gauging my reactions to the night terrors he was somehow inducing. That is some haunting of Hill House shit, and I do not like it. For real. After about two years of this, I had one particular nightmare that was so much worse than all of the others. I refused to step back into that house, and my parents moved shortly after for purely financial, unrelated reasons. This was the catalyst, I believe, to why the paranormal doesn't really happen to me anymore. I think that whatever that man was, whatever he Whatever he or it was trying to do was so traumatizing that my brain sort of shut that channel off, like suppressed memories after a horrible incident. Yeah, that's that's a thing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and your subconscious and your spiritual subconscious can absolutely mm-hmm. close your channel to the ether for just that purpose. Jeez. Yeah. Well, that's good, I guess. Yeah, um, no, it's self-preservation matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, what's left is somewhat of a sense of place. I can get a feel usually if a place is quote wonky, as I put it, where it doesn't feel quite right, but it never goes much further than that. And yet, despite that, I've been obsessed with preternatural for just as long. Anything about it that I can get my hands on, I will study, I will study mercilessly. I may or may, (laughs) I may or may not be watching paranormal survivor on Netflix as I write this. No judgy. (laughs) No judging. 
didn't know this was a show. Right? Everybody take notes. (laughs) Enter now my best friend. We'll call her Lucy because I don't know how she would feel about me telling these stories. Right, right. Lucy is what we affectionately call, quote, the weirdo magnet. Said with all respect because she attracted me. I I know I know weirdo magnet. I myself. I was gonna um, say, is that person you know you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but like also I'm a weirdo, so mm-hmm. it's more yeah. like a, a weirdo less we of a magnet together. and more yeah. of like a homing beacon. Lucy has been haunted for as long as she can remember. She's always had experiences with ghosts no matter how many times she's moved. We met in college and tolerated each other enough to be roommates for 10 years. Oh, that's more than tolerant. That's love. Yeah, I think so. Um, I would have runoffs from her encounters despite my weird ometers limited range and scope. I loved it. It was just weird enough for me to become even more fascinated by it. And for the most part, it was just one thing or another. Funny stories to tell our friends. Like the time she chewed out a ghost for being too loud while she was trying to sleep. As you do. Wow. Um, <laughs> Lucy sounds hard as hell. Yeah, man. It wasn't until we moved to a town, new townhouse that things took a whole new turn. This is where the real fun and the real story begins. The townhouse was two stories and then a full basement. Three bedrooms, huge kitchen, gorgeous vaulted ceilings. It was amazing. Except I'm for one, yeah. <laughs> Except for one slight detail. Haunted as fuck doesn't even come close to touching this nightmare. Oh. Amityville can suck a dick. Are you this, for real? Oh my god. This, Amityville this play, can suck a dick. That is quite the statement. I can't wait. Tell is. me more. I'm sorry. I know, I know, I'm gonna I shut know. up now. Okay. This place needs its own fucking movie. Things did feel off for me, but only certain places. Like the space behind the basement steps. Whoever decided open stairs needs to be shot. Yup. Word. Hate that. I feel like somebody's gonna grab my foot every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was always thinking that someone was going to grab my ankle as I walked down, even though there was literally no way anyone could get to that space. And while the first floor was fine, the upstairs was 10 times worse than the basement. Specifically, Lucy's room, the master bedroom. She had more shit than I did, so she needed the extra closet space, the hoarder that she is. (laughs) Her master bedroom held pure evil. I'm not exaggerating with that either. When we first got there, the air in that particular room was so stiflingly hot and heavy, you couldn't breathe. It instantly made my skin crawl. So I chose the bedroom furthest away from the master, even though it was tiny. The weird shit started to happen not long after we moved in there. We would be sitting in the living room and hear footsteps directly overhead. You guessed it, in Lucy's room. Both Mm -hmm. cat and dog would be downstairs with us, no one else in the place, and you could actually follow the pattern as whatever the fuck it was paced the length of her room. Things would mysteriously knock over upstairs, or our empty totes would be found on the opposite side of the basement. <laughs> like it was throwing them. Mm-hmm. Lucy was having constant nightmares, and finally after about six months of this, she decided that enough was enough. Again, keep in mind, she's been dealing with this her whole life. At this point, she was 26. So she decided she would sage it out and put it up, put up wards. She did l- like she always had, like she'd done a million t- times, and she said that the room felt did feel noticeably lighter. It felt that way to me as well. What she really did was piss the fucker off. 
That night, while she was laying in bed, facing away from the, her wall, she felt someone behind her approaching her bed. Because she's a light sleeper, she sleeps with a sleep mask on. And her first thought was, well, shit, I'm not looking. Right. I feel that. I feel that so hard. Mm-hmm. She said she stayed perfectly still as the whatever came closer and closer to the bed. She felt the mattress dip as if someone was sitting on it. And she still refused to acknowledge it or even turn over. Smart. The weight, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the, the weight on the mattress shifted and she felt it leaning on her now. Its hand or whatever on her shoulder. Absolute goosebumps. I have absolute goosebumps. It was almost like it was trying to peer over her shoulder to look in her, to look her in the eye. Lucy said she could feel whatever she could feel the wheezing breath on her skin. She could just feel the weight of it as it leaned on her. And then it just faded away. Yep. It wasn't gonna get any more energy from her. Yeah. So it decided Lu- to leave. Yeah. Lucy isn't one to take things to heart, so after a few minutes she somehow managed to fall asleep because she's fucking insane, which I told her to. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. The worst thing she can do is pay attention to it. Mm. That's just going to give it power. Okay. Well, good to know. This was far from the last incident. That smudging she'd done stirred shit up to the max. We had doors slam. We had an infestation of silverfish, but only in her room, surprisingly. Her room would never get cool, even in the winter. And she even talked about some tiny creature sitting at the edge of her bed by her feet, growling at her. <sighs> Might be the same creature. Just Maybe. with less energy, uh, yeah. less able to manifest. Mm-hmm. At night, when I would go to bed, I would have to pass her room in order to get to mine, and I would practically sprint. Whatever creepy feelings I had doubled. I felt like I had permanent ants crawling all over my skin from that damn room. Ugh. But it was almost contained to her room. Even with the bedroom door open, things in my room were fine for the most part. That is, until she went to visit her mother for a weekend. Things were fine until the second night. I heard walking, no stomping in her room as I sat in the living room. A few of the games we had on the entertainment shelf randomly toppled over from where they were popped up. I had sworn I had heard someone in the basement, but the worst came when I went to sleep. In the middle of the night, I was awoken by a sudden scream right in my ear. Fuck that. (sighs) I would have thought maybe sleep paralysis or a waking dream or something like that, except the dog was sleeping in her bed next to mine. As soon as I heard the scream, she was on all four paws from a dead sleep, snarling and barking, all hackles raised. Yep. Okay, I just got chills. Please keep in mind that Penny is the sweetest doggy in the world. She has never snarled at anyone, but whatever it was, whatever I heard, she heard it too. And she wanted nothing to do with it. The minute a dog or a cat gets involved, it's so yeah. much more amplified. And involved like that, not just looking, but just like right immediately, like a response out. to a threat. Yes, for sure. That was a threat. Mm-hmm. It wasn't long after that that Lucy took a job in the hospital in the town where my mother lived and moved up there. I, meanwhile, got the fuck out of Dodge and got my own apartment as far away from that townhouse as I could. And so far, so good. I have a lot more stories to tell about my supernatural adventures with Lucy, but I've droned on long enough for one email. Love you both, and thank you so much for what you do. Jen. We love you too. Oh, my God. Send us more. Holy shit. My God. 
Yeah. Wow. No, guys, I know I've said it before. I'll say it again. Sometimes the worst thing you can do is acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. If you So, Jen, if you're falling asleep. Yes. And Which I won't anymore after this. Right. I'm sorry. Uh, say I want your attention. Mm-hmm. And I want to bother you. Yep. I'm going to fuck with you, Jen. Yep. Mm-hmm. Would it make more sense for you to roll over and tell me to get the fuck out? Or should you just ignore me? I mean, I ignore, I guess. Yeah. Because if you give me energy if you roll over and you start talking to me or yelling at me or fighting that's what you want yeah that's what i want and it's also going to keep me awake like i'm Mm -hmm. not going to settle and rest i'm going to continue to be involved and making myself a nuisance to you so yeah Yeah, that's that's fucking wild jen i'm so glad you wrote that in Uh thank you for sharing i can't wait to hear more from lucy uh if she doesn't listen to the show pass it on to her and she can send in her stuff too yeah there you go Perfect. All right. Well, gosh, that was great. Oh, I really love you guys as listeners' stories. Mm, yes. All right. Well, thanks for putting up with us being a week late, guys. We really needed the spring break. We will be back on schedule. Uh, so more episodes to come until mm-hmm. summer vacation, which is coming quickly. Hell yes. Hell yes. Yes. Uh, as always, you guys have been fabulous. Mm-hmm. Follow us online, Twitter, Instagram, etc. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know um, by now. You know where to find us. You know what to do. Not that I really post anything there. I promise I will at some point. It's just I had to give something up, guys. Right. She's <laughs> you know, busy. you know, episodes come up and right. It's been a whole thing, guys. Everybody, take care and stay safe and stay spooky, motherfuckers. Hell yeah! Boom. 